Hello, and welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. My name is Tony, and I'm the Digital Ministry Manager here at OSA. Today we have a message for you from our sermon series titled, The Spirit-Filled Life. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with His power in our lives. Our lead pastor, Todd Starn, will be sharing powerful insights into this important topic. We'll also hear from myself and Derek Thurlby on different aspects of the Spirit-Filled Life. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's message from The Spirit-Filled Life. And normally during this season, I preach some kind of sermon along this line around the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but in doing that, sometimes I really don't feel like we focus quite in it as much as we need to, specifically on the gift of tongues. And so I'm going to be talking about that this morning. If you did not know, we are a Pentecostal church, and we believe in the gift of tongues, and, uh, and, and what the Bible teaches and tells us about praying in the Spirit. And so we're going to look at a little more detail this morning about that. But let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and just your work in lives today. We pray a blessing upon, Lord, just the fathers in the room, Lord, that you would provide, that you would refresh, that you would protect, Lord, that you would guide, and we thank you for it. And I pray today that our hearts would be good soil ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm really not, I'm doing this just a little bit different because this is kind of more subject-based, really. And so um, we're kind of just kind of going to work ourselves into Scripture and, uh, and really close with uh, kind of, kind of the, the meat of it. And so um, even though that I spent a great majority of my younger life running from the Lord, and running from the call and, and living life away from Jesus and, and, and all the things that went along with that. There, I did, um, my mom did make me go to church. I've talked a lot about that, and it was an Assembly of God church. It was a Pentecostal church. And so um, the work of the Spirit in this manner is not something that was, all, was, was foreign to me. And, um, but, I, you know, I, I was thinking back of, like, really when the Lord, I was really young, um, I was 12, 13 years old and I was, I was at youth camp and I don't, does anybody remember a, uh, a prayer tunnel or a Holy Ghost car wash? That's kind of what we used to call it back in the day. And I'll never forget the speaker was Ron Kelly and, uh, he gave this, it was Holy Spirit night and gave this call. And so I responded and we, we walked through this tunnel with people praying over us and, and God really touched my life that night. And it's also, but sadly, it's also that night that the Lord first called me to ministry. And it's when I told God no and started my, my run away from ministry. I didn't think I was equipped. I, I just had a hard time processing that. And, but also in that moment, uh, in those moments, I was for the first time baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it was a powerful moment. It's a holy moment. And I'll never forget that something that just really turned me off. That just was part of that, that whole thing of just switching everything for me. I was in the altar. You know, we kind of went through this, you know, this prayer line. And then I was in the altar just seeking the Lord. And, and I had a, a, a counselor or a coach or whatever, an adult, uh, uh, have no idea who it was, and came up to me and asked me, did you get filled in the Holy Spirit? And I said, yes. And he said, well, let me hear it. And I just really just had a difficult time with that. And so here I'm battling with this call that I felt like the Lord just gave me, and I'm wrestling with that, and then this happens. And I was just like, you know what? I'm done with this. And that's just kind of where a shift happened in my life, and I began to run from the Lord. 
And there is no doubt, no question that there are um, abuses and manipulation that happens in Christianity in the church, and, and many of us had to, had to go through that and face that spiritually and just in all kinds of ways. And I wish I could say that you could, that, that that stuff doesn't touch the church, but the reality is, is that it does. And the reason that it does is because we're all flesh. We all have this humanity aspect to us. And so because that we have this humanity aspect to us, um, there are things that can happen that really don't line up with Scripture or line up with the, what the Lord is doing. And I would even dare say that many of us in this room know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. But growing up, I remember a lot of my friends, you know, I mean, we went to that church, right, because it was a Pentecostal church. And so a lot of my friends, they were like, dude, I want to go to church with you. I'm like, why, why do you, you want to go to church with me? We want to hear them talking that weird stuff, you know. And so I'd have my friends come to church just hoping to hear somebody being able to, to, to pray in the Spirit. And, and so growing up, that was kind of, you know, my, my experience. But I, I think that I, I don't want to shy away from uh, stigmas about tongues and speaking in tongues. And so that we're just going to kind of leap in right there about some stigmas about speaking in tongues. One is this, is that uh, some believe uh, that it's a language that is taught. Speaking in tongues is not a language that is taught. And so when you see a lot of um, uh, negative viewpoints or opponents to what it means to speak in tongues and to pray in the Spirit, uh, many times you'll hear them talk about this. And, and granted, I, when they show some of the clips that they use for their ammunition, I'm like, yeah, that is weird. I'm like, you just had to pick that one, didn't you? You know, I mean, why? Because there is a, a level of humanity that is that we have to deal with. But the speaking in tongues is not a language that is taught. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit given as he wills. Um, there are some that say that we don't even know what the baptism of speaking in tongues is. And as you're going to hear this morning, that is far from the truth. There is a theological, apologetic viewpoint that we stand on of why we believe in speaking in tongues. That we can, they, they, I've even heard this said, that it's a negative that we can turn it on and off. And I, I don't have the verse, just the chapter, the address, just really at the tip of my brain. But the scripture tells us that the, that the gifts are subject to the prophet. And I'm going to tell you something. You can absolutely control whether or not you speak in tongues or not. And that comes an important play, especially we're going to talk a little bit later about the order of worship and orderly worship and what that means corporately. But um, when you have been given that gift, you can use that gift um, to pray whenever you want. And you can pray in the spirit when you want. You can pray in English when you want. Um, there's another one is that, um, that speaking in tongues is making a fool of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you something. If there is anybody that wants us to pray in the Spirit, it's the Spirit. If, um, uh, I even heard this said, that uh, if, if God were going to give something like tongues to people, he would, he would not give it to people with bad theology. And, uh, and well, you, again, we're going we're gonna, to gonna break open the Word this morning and really look at what the Scripture says. And I'm going to tell you that praying in the Spirit is good theology. 
It is a gift given to us to empower in, in, in us to use, and there's purposes and reasons that we're going to talk about. And so, let's just really quickly, worldwide, there are 584 million Pentecostals. I want you to process that for a moment because we are over half, those that believe in Pentecost are over half of the Protestant movement, evangelical movement. Pentecostals are the largest, largest group of Protestants. And that kind of reminds you is that there is Catholicism and there is those that are Protestants, and, and we are Protestants. We are evangelical Protestants. And what that means is, is that we deny the universal authority of the Pope. We don't believe the Pope speaks for us, that we can speak directly to God. Um, we believe in the Reformation principles. If you remember way back in the day in the 1500s of Martin Luther nailing the, 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 the thesis on the, the church door, which basically kind of sum it all up, justification uh, by faith alone. We believe in the priesthood of the believers, meaning this, that to serve the Lord in ministry, it's just not about me on this platform behind this glass pulpit. There should have been a few more amens right there. It's for all of us. We are all the chosen generation. We are all a world priesthood. Um, and so there, it, it, when uh, we look at uh, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen, the reason I point that out is this, and if that's the symbols of God, the symbols of God, we are the largest portion of that 584 million people. Listen, this is not something that is just like weird in a dark corner. I'm going to tell you that Pentecostal churches are the fastest growing churches in the United States. Pentecostal churches are the fastest growing churches across the world. And something that just fascinates me, there are seasons and times where countries may become closed. And so they'll kind of uh, bring all the missionaries out. Like, uh, you know, one um, country that comes to mind is uh, Libya. A while back, Libya just, just went dark, and, uh, and we really had to rescue missionaries out. And so all these missionaries, I mean, from every denomination left. And it was really interesting um, that when missionaries started coming back in, Church of Christ missionaries and Baptist missionaries and Methodist missionaries, the congregations that they left they found had gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues without any outside really man help. Do you understand what I'm saying there? And so there is an authentic work, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. There are misunderstandings about the gift of tongues. And number one is this, is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for everyone. I hear that all the time. Well, I don't know if that's for me, you know. And, and maybe it's because there's this, this uh, uh, preconception of, of weirdness or oddness or whatever it may be. But there's tons of people that, you know, use that as an excuse. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for everyone. But we see in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 38. This is a powerful two verses of scripture here. We're going to refer to it many times throughout this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter, this is, so this is on the day of Pentecost, right? In Acts 2. And Peter's been preaching. And so he's given a description, explanation of, of what just happened and how that it can happen to those that are listening to him preach. Now, I want to remind you again that on Acts 2, we see there's 120 in the room. 
and the Holy Spirit poured out. It got the attention of all those in Jerusalem, and Peter uses that as a platform to preach to all these different nations. As a matter of fact, the Bible lists 10 different nations that Peter preached to that day. And so it's all kinds of background. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, you, you, you ten nations and all the people that are listening to me preach right now, if you repent and be baptized, have the forgiveness of your sins, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, for the promise is for you, your children. Now, I know that we're a few years beyond the first century. Right, This is 2023. But look what it goes on to say. And for all who are far off, would you say that we are far off from 2,000 years ago? Everyone, so the promise is for you, your children, for all of, and then he even, he even talks about it a little bit more. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So who is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for? It is for everyone that gets saved. It is for everyone that has experienced salvation. If you have experienced salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. There's another misunderstanding about that, the gift of tongues, that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. Listen, I, <laughs> I can't spend a whole lot of time on this, but I want you to know if you're here this morning and you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that does not mean that you can't get into heaven. That is, it does not mean that. So don't, don't bring in confusion there. Listen, the Bible says when we get saved, there's a change that happens on the inside of us that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and the promise we look to every time about that is, because it says it so plainly, it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, he's what? He is a new creation. And all the old junk is gone and everything becomes new. That is that sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that takes place in us. But I'm going to tell you this morning, there is more to experience of the Holy Spirit. There's a subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit where we are immersed. We are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. And yes, there are Pentecostal denominations that teach that. But it is, it is unbiblical. Matter of fact, Scripture is very clear. You admit, believe, and confess. If you admit that you're a sinner and you believe on the Lord Jesus and confess him as Lord, the Bible says then you're saved. And you can see the Scriptures there in your notes. And, um, to, uh, but I need to move on quickly. There's another misunderstanding that tongues were only for the apostles. If you remember, so here we have the 12 disciples. And of course, Judas betrayed Jesus and then committed suicide. So we have 11. And so then they had the 11. And then so they have this meeting. We got to find somebody else. And so they threw lots and found this other guy that we really don't ever hear much about. <laughs> but so they found this. And so these are, these are the ones that walked with Jesus uh, that are now still living. We call them the apostles. Um, I think maybe most believe that the 11 kind of jumped the gun a little bit, that God already had someone planned and prepared in Paul. 
as, an, as that to, to, to be that 12th apostle. But, uh, you know, so we have the apostles. And so many believe that the gift of tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, were only for the apostles and the work that the Lord had them for them to do. That tongues were only for the apostles. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 29, I, I didn't put a, you, you can go back and read the verses before and after, and it'll give you even more clarity. But what the scripture tells us, 1 Corinthians 12, 29, is so Paul, I love, see, I understand Paul. I don't know if you see, you know, I've got a new t-shirt. It says that my love language is sarcasm. One day I'm going to wear that when I preach, but, <laughs> but I, I get Paul some, because there's so much of Paul's writing that it's really, he, he poses these rhetorical questions and, and statements. And this is one of them. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 are all apostles. Well, no, not all are apostles. Not all are apostles are all prophets. Well, no, not, not all are, are prophets. Are all teachers? No, not all are teachers. Do all work miracles? No, not, not all work miracles. But in this passage, what you'll always read is it also talks about the public gift of tongues and interpretation. And he says, do all speak in tongues? And it's all a question mark. It's a rhetorical statement. And do all interpret well, that's not about a private gift. We're going to talk about in just a few moments. This is talking about the public ministry of the message in tongues and interpretation. And the reality is not all of us are gifted to give a public message in tongues that's interpreted. Are you following me? Are you with me? This isn't Snoozeville, is it? Hopefully. Hopefully this is touching you, speaking to you. We're learning something. So we know that tongues is just not for the apostles, but it's for everyone. Tongues has to be, here's, here's another misunderstanding, is that tongues has to be an unknown earthly language. An unknown earthly language. Now, when Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit poured out and we see the, you know, the, the wind and the fire and the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. And the Bible says that they all, you know, spoke in utterances of unknown tongues. And what we know in that moment, it was earthly languages that the disciples, the, the people in that, the 120, it was earthly languages that they did not know. And we know that because of all the nations representing Jerusalem that heard them, heard their own languages. Are you following me? So they heard their own languages. So that moment, Acts chapter two, we know that it was unknown, unlearned earthly languages. And I, I can give you modern day examples. I know I've shared some of these before. Um, one of them, a, a friend of mine, a pastor, um, they had a great service. It was a mission in tongues interpretation. And afterwards, a man came forward and um, said, hey, I, I want to meet the person, there was like a message kind of in the middle of your service. This was like totally new to this guy. He had never been in a, in a Pentecostal church. He said, I want to talk to the person. Kind of like in the middle of in the singing, there was like, you know, somebody spoke out and, and somebody interpreted. Well, the reality, this man was Hebrew and uh, a Jew, and he knows the Hebrew language. And the message in tongues was in Hebrew. And the interpretation was spot on. He's like, I, he's like, it is so weird to be in West Texas and hear people speak Hebrew. And he said, well, I can almost guarantee you those people don't know Hebrew. Are you following me? 
And so they got them together and they're like, we have no idea what, we just we were speaking in tongues. Uh, there was another, I heard a testimony of a, a guy that was in a, I believe it was in China. And uh, of course it's, a, it's, you know, illegal, you know, in China, you just can't go preach on a street corner. That's exactly what this man did. He began, he just felt this impressed of the Lord. And if you're going to do something like that, I'm going to tell you, you better be impressed of the Lord. Um, I, I kind of had listed a little pro we, um, while we were in Southern Asia, we went into this massive Hindu temple and, uh, it was just really just, uh, I, I really don't know if I can fully describe just that experience of being in that, that, that temple, but we're walking through there and I saw this young man and, and just talking with people and really understanding that a lot of times people who are in Hinduism, um, there's a lot of sickness. I mean, a lot of sickness. Because what they what they find out is is that these people um, become possessed, and that uh, it manifests itself away in infirmity. And so I'm, I'm I saw this young man. And I just knew it instantly with discernment that that's exactly what was going on. That this man was possessed and he had an infirmity. And I had to sit there for a moment, and I had to kind of process all this really quickly. I thought. Wouldn't that be cool if God just healed him right now in the middle of this temple? I mean, that'd be really cool. That'd be really awesome. But I had to, sometimes walking in boldness doesn't mean making dumb decisions. Because <laughs> if I had done that, it would put the risk at our workers in the area. There's a lot that repercussions could have had from that. And I cannot at all remember why I went into that little thing. So that was for free. So, but tongues uh, uh, doesn't have to be an, an earthly language. And so we see 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed for first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. And look what it says. Helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Various kinds of tongues. Tongues was not only for the first century church. A lot of people believe, they may say, well, it wasn't just for the apostles, but it definitely was only for the first century church. Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8. It says, love never ends. As far as prophecies, they will pass away. As far as tongues, they will cease. Well, right there, the Bible says it. Well, no, we got to read the whole thing in the whole context, all right? They will cease for as for as for knowledge, it will pass away. So it's talking, it says prophecy is going to end, tongue is going to end, knowledge is going to. You're talking about words of knowledge. We're talking about the gifting. First Corinthians 12 with the 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 gifts of the Holy Spirit. Verse nine. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But listen, verse ten is the qualifier. But when perfection comes, the partial will pass away. Now, by a show of hands, who in the room is perfect? You're like, some of you are like, I really want to raise my hand. but Well, if you didn't raise your hand, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you and it's for today. You know why? Because none of us are perfect yet. Scripture is very clear when perfection will happen. Do you know when that happens? That happens at the rapture of the church. That happens when we're in heaven. Are we in heaven yet? No, we're not. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, number one is this. Tongues is the initial evidence 
and the, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tongues is the initial evidence. There, top on your notes there, sorry. Evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we read about that in Acts chapter 2. It talks about that day of Pentecost where they're all together. They're all there. They've been praying. The Lord told them to go there, right? In Luke 24, 49, you know, go and wait until you're endued with power from on high. I mean, he had taught in John chapter 14, John chapter 16 about the gift of the Holy Spirit coming and how he'd be an advocate and a, and a helper. He would guide us. He would show us the things yet to come. And so there's this, there's all kinds of teaching up to this point about the Holy Spirit coming. As he said, it's better for you that I go even. He, he was telling the disciples, it's better for you that I go, because if I don't go, then the, the promise of the Father can't come. And we need to be thankful for that. Why do we need to be thankful for that? Because if Jesus had never ascended and he was still walking this earth, for you to have a conversation with Jesus, you'd have to go jump on his tour bus. Right? That's, what, that's exactly what would have to happen. But because he ascended and has given us the promise of the Father, and that we, we get to experience that omnipresence of God and that sovereignty of God, and we have access to the throne anytime that we need it. That should have been a better amen. Thank you, Sammy. And so there's a sound that comes, and it tells us in verse 3, And divided tongues as a fire appeared to each of them, rested on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to what? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We read about in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. Philip goes to Samaria and starts preaching. And these people start getting, the, the Samaritans start getting saved, healed, delivered. I mean, just awesome Jesus stuff happening in Samaria. And so the apostles hear about what's happening in Samaria. And so they send Peter and John. And in Acts chapter 8, in verse 12, we read, But when they believed Philip, as he preached, good news happened. They believed the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized both men. So here they experienced the moment of salvation. They were baptized, both men and women. They heard the gospel. They responded. They got saved. You pick up in verse 14. So the apostles hear about it. And so they, spent, they send Peter and John, verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. Yes, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit does a work inside of us, but there is more work to be done. And you'll see it verse after verse after verse after verse that when, after you get saved, you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they sent Peter and John who came and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not fallen on them yet. Are you following that? I mean, you're reading the same Bible I am, right? I mean, how can you confuse this stuff? He prayed for them. They might receive the Holy Spirit. He had not fallen them, but only been baptized in the name of the Lord. So they, they even been water baptized. And then it says, and then they laid their hands on them and they received the Spirit. Isn't that a powerful, they received the Spirit. Now, if you go on to read, you're going to read about a man by the name of Simon. And Simon, he was a corrupt man. 
And this passage doesn't necessarily tell us about tongues, but what we do know is that something had to have happened because the scripture tells us there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit where they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And number two, something happened where Simon the sorcerer was like, oh, I'll give you money if I can do that, which y'all just did. And so we know something physically happened to get Simon's attention. And then, of course, they rebuke him, and you can go on and read about the rest of that. Acts chapter 10. Of course, you know this is one of my favorite stories. Why is this one of my favorite stories? It's why I get to eat fried catfish, y'all. That's why I like Acts chapter 10. I get to eat, I get to eat pork, bacon. Come on, I'm preaching good now. Acts chapter 10, you read through what happens. There's two men, Peter and Cornelius. I'm going to sum this up very quickly. Peter and Cornelius. And so Peter has this vision about the sheet coming down, all these unclean animals in there. The Lord speaks to him. Don't call unclean what I've called clean. Now, there is a more important uh, meaning behind this than, than I get to eat some fried catfish with a side of pork loin. What it means is, is that God had a plan to pour out his spirit upon the Gentile. And so at the same time, there's this Gentile man by the name of Cornelius, and he's having an encounter with the Lord. The Bible tells that he's a man that fears God, that he gives money to the church, that that he's praying and worshiping to the Lord. And so the Lord speaks to him to send to Peter. And so long story short, Peter comes to Cornelius' house. And so in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says, while Peter was still saying these things. So he like, Peter preaches. He's like, so he gets on the scene and he preaches to these Gentile people. And it says, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. See, Cornelius feared the Lord. Cornelius was worshiping and praying. Cornelius was giving to the church. And there's a separate encounter that happens that the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, verse 45, and the believers among the circumcised. What does that mean? That means the Jewish people that came with Peter, they're in awe and were amazed because the Holy Spirit even got poured out on people like you and me. For they were hearing them speaking what? In tongues. And extolling God. And Peter declared, can anyone withhold water? And so here, they're saved. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I guess we better baptize them too. That's kind of what happened. Acts chapter 19, we read about Paul in Ephesus. Paul in Ephesus, if you've ever heard anybody preach on Pentecost, you've heard Acts chapter 19 and Paul in Ephesus. Because there's this infamous statement, really, that we so many preachers key off of. Have you received since you believe? And so he meets these disciples that were disciples of John the Baptist and were baptized in the John's baptism. Paul begins to share the gospel with them. And so they get baptized in Jesus. And then what it tells us is that on hearing this, verse 5 and 7, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Acts 19, 5 and 7 through 7. And when Peter had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit fell on them. And what did they start doing? They started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there was about 12 men in all. So number one, the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Number two is this. Tongues is for you personally. Tongues is for you 
personally. And I think of anything I share this morning, this is probably one of the most important things I share to you. It's for you to understand the Holy Spirit and to speak in tongues is for you personally. When, and I want us to look at a passage just really quickly. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I mean, if you really want to know about like the working, the private working, the public working of the Holy Spirit, you've got to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it tells us, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I just want to, you know, just remember, you know, I said one of the heads, the, the, the hesitations of people, oh, that's not for me. Well, here we're being admonished by Paul to what? To pursue the gifts. It's okay to put yourself in the place to say, God, I want you to use me with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pursue love, earnest and desire the spiritual gifts that you may prophesy. And look, verse two is really important. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to who? It's also an indication that tongues is more than is an unlearned earthly language, but it's a language that only God understands. And that's where a lot of people have a lot of confusion and misunderstanding and a difficult time grasping a hold of this. Listen, when I am praying in the spirit, that is something that's just for me and my heavenly father. It's not for anybody else. And in those moments, I want to tell you what I do believe. I, I don't believe there's necessarily chapter and verse for this. You can take it with a grain of salt. But I believe when I'm in that moment of intercession and I'm praying in the Spirit and it's in my prayer closet and it's for me personally to the Lord, He's the only one that understands me, which means I can pray. My Spirit can pray for whatever it wants and the enemy doesn't have a clue what's going on. That's a powerful thing to have. And so for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, it gives a little more clarification. Listen, for no one understands him. If no one's understanding him, then can it be in the English language? The last time I checked, no one is who? No one. But he utters mysteries with his spirit. Verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for upbuilding. That's, that's important. I, I don't just mean a glass over that, but I'm, I got to, we're on a time frame here. But verse 4 is another key verse. The one who speaks in a tongue, what does it say? Let's say it together. Builds up him. Come on, say it like you mean what the Bible says. Builds up himself. This doesn't mean that God's like, you know, you're getting a haughty spirit or an arrogant spirit or anything like that. What it's talking about is when you've been given the gift of tongues and you exercise that gift, it's like your spirit man doing the bench press. Do you ever go through life or seasons or circumstance where, where you just feel weak, where you feel beat up, where you feel overcome? where you feel like it's a losing situation, where you feel like everything is lost, where you feel like it's pointless, where you feel like you want to give up, where you're tired of the roller coaster, you're like, if I can't serve God solid anyway, then why try it all? I'm going to tell you the key to change everything to that is to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and to exercise that gift of tongues because when you do that, you are strengthening your spirit, man. 
You're building him up. Man, it is, it is an important gift that God has given us that when we pray in those tongues, that's to God that we don't understand, that nobody else understands. When we use that gift, there is a power that begins to stir on the inside of us. We begin to fan that flame of God inside of us. And it'll empower you. The Holy Spirit will empower you to make the right decision. The Holy Spirit will empower you to stand against temptation. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be a witness. The Holy Spirit will empower you to stand for what's right. The Holy Spirit will empower you. Jude chapter 20. It also tells us, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, I, I, you know, it, it's a little difficult. It is. It's a little difficult coming out of our cultural context here in America and, and going over and experiencing a whole different spiritual cultural context in Southern Asia. I'm going to it, it was really amazing to me of every pastor that I talked to, every single one of them. You know, I'd ask him, I was like, well, well you know, I, because I didn't want to go in there just thinking, oh, I'm an American and, you know, I can just, I got all the answers. I know all this. You know, you're a simple P. I, you know, I didn't want to go. I was like, what, what do people, what do your pastors need to hear? What do you need to hear there? Oh, pastor, we need to hear about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a lot of the time that I preach, that's what I got to preach on. And it was, I mean, we saw, I, I would dare say we saw 100 baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, easily of what God was doing. It was just absolutely amazing. But they, they're in a place of desperation when they are surrounded by these false religions and strongholds of Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, they know they need the power. They know they need the power of God. And I'm going to tell you, in a country where we are full of lukewarm Christianity and live in this post-Christian culture and is being overtaken by liberalism, listen, I, and I'm not trying to get political, I just want you to know the only right way to stand, to have the strength to stand, is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. Number three is this. I have, can I just finish? Number three is this. Tongues helps you pray. If there, was, if, there, if there was a tie between two things, I want you to get is that tongues is for you personally. And I would, if you are here this morning and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm, I got a challenge for you. Is spend at least an hour a day praying in the Spirit. Don't, don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait to be moved by some worship song on air one. Do you hear me? Make it a, because the, the gift of tongues is subject to you because God has given it to you for a gift. If he's given it to you for a gift, then exercise it. So pray, spend time in prayer. Number three, tongues helps you pray. Romans eight twenty six. likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray. But the spirit himself intercedes intercedes with groanings and with words that we don't understand. Listen, I, I, I try to really, I, I think, in a positive way, try to you know, help us grow in our faith and, 
and, and understanding what it means like to read our Bible and, and to have those times of devotion and prayer. And I listen, I, if you're starting out in this thing, like you're just starting out your walk, I'm going to tell you, it's okay. It's okay that reading your Bible or that time in prayer, you know, is 10, 15 minutes. It's okay as long as you don't stay there. And I know there's a such thing as quality and quantity, but I'm going to tell you, you cannot mature in your faith unless there is a quantity aspect to the time you spend with God. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that again for effect. <laughs> you cannot, listen, you can argue with me till you're blue in the face. This is one of the things that I, a hill that I would die on. You cannot grow in the faith unless you are spending a quantity time with God. And as we spend that time, listen, I know, I get it. There's times, has is, is this ever been you? Like, you know, I'll come in here in the morning sometimes and I'll pray, man, and I mean, I'll just spill my, I mean, like, I, I'm, I've broken a sweat, man. I mean, I've just, I've gone hoarse, because if you didn't know, I, I pray like I preach pretty loud. And so, I mean, I just, I, I've given it all out, and I think, man, I better help me get the day started, because surely it's been like two hours, 15 minutes. Anybody it happens to me. But listen, what will help you in that place of prayer when you don't know what to pray is a lot of the Spirit to make intercession through you. Because how powerful is it that the Spirit of God within us that only knows the depths of the Father can pray things that we have no idea how or what to pray about and intercession be made through us. I'm going to say that's special. That's special. Ephesians 6, 18, praying sometimes in the spirit. Praying all the times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Number four is this, and I'm heading into the landing strip. The public gift of tongues is for the church. The public gift of tongues is for the church. I want us to read a couple of passages. They're a little long, but I, I, it's important that we look at them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where it lays out the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I haven't quite decided yet, but we may look at, that's maybe what I'm preaching on next week is, is the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's what it does. It lists out these, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Before you even look at any other verse in this passage, I want to read the last one. The last one to me is one of the most important verses in this passage. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, All these are empowered. All these gifts that were just listed are empowered by the one and the same Spirit. Right? It's not saying this is a different Spirit. There's not a different Spirit for each one. I mean, God's a God of unity. And so there's this one Spirit what, who apportions or gives or designates to each one individually, that's you and me, as he wills. Listen, there's a lot of people that try to manipulate and force Pentecost, but the best way for Pentecost to happen is allow the will of the Holy Spirit to do it and to work. And so any gift of the Holy Spirit, you know it's from the Holy Spirit if it's been willed by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And so in those gifts, we see in verse 10, is it verse 10? Yeah, verse 10. I mean, I, so I'm, I'm going the verse right above. It's a lengthy sentence, but 
He's already listed like words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, um, gifts of healing. Verse 10, to another working of miracles, prophecy, to another discernment, distinguished between spirits. But it says this, to another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues. There is a public ministry of the Holy Spirit that happens with the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. In verse in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, and then brothers, when we come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or three at the most. So it, it's it's actually laying out something. If there is a message in tongues at any point in time of a corporate gathering. Don't have more than three. And each of those messages in tongues has to have an interpretation of tongues. But I want to, I just kind of want to jump back just a little bit. In the private use of tongues, this is very important. In the private use of tongues, there doesn't need to be an interpretation. The only time scripture talks about tongues being interpreted is the public ministry gift of tongues. Are you with me? Okay. So let there be only one or two or three at the most and let someone interpret. So I'm going to tell you something else. This is very important. Is that if you give a message in tongues and no one interprets that tongue, well, guess what? You're the interpreter. You're the interpreter. It should be a holy thing when something like this happens. Do I think it should be more common? Do I think it should be every single? Absolutely. Let God do what he's going to do. But I think that's important to understand. But if there's no one to interpret, let each keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. So a lot of people use this, that we should not speak in tongues at all unless there's an interpretation. That is not true. And I'm going to tell you something else. As I think right there in your pew during worship, You can have a private moment of speaking in tongues while you worship, while you pray in the Spirit, and there's no obligation for interpretation. I really do believe that. I believe that I can use the gift of the Holy Spirit at any moment and any time I want, but I must be wise and have wisdom on when I use that gift that I don't cause confusion to those around me. And I think it's important to understand So, if you would stand with me this morning. I went 13 minutes over my time frame. So here's how I'm going to end. We're going to end this very quickly because I could preach a whole other 30 minutes on each of these three, but I'm going to rapid fire them. Are you ready? How to receive the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? One is you repent. You go through scripture, you'll see time and time and time again, repent. That's where it begins. We must come to a place of salvation. If we are saved, I'm going to tell you that it even comes to a moment in time for God to search us, for him to search us. The Bible says, Psalm 139, for it is he that knows us. I mean, nobody knows us like God knows us. 
And so we take those moments. The Bible says repent for times of refreshing will come from the Lord. I believe that refreshing that comes from the Lord is, is more than just like our hearts getting right, but it's also a work of the Holy Spirit. You see it in Psalm 51 when David had his fall with Bathsheba. And then we see in 51 the prayer that he prayed after Nathan caught him red-handed. Right? You, I don't have time to go on the whole story. Just go read Psalm 51 and about David and Bathsheba. But so Psalm 51 is where it says, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. That's where it says that God does not despise that broken, contrite heart, but renew a right spirit within me. And so we want the Lord to do that work in us. We read it just a few moments ago, but Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, reminder... You don't have to be water baptized to be first spirit-filled baptized. Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 10.30 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.